podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast. My name's Daniel. It's the Kid Double H. It's Carl Anka. Hello. We do the podcast every Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever. Um, follow the podcast on the social media links that are in the description. Half of where can people find your work? Halfoffootballhot.com. Carl. You can find my writing on The Athletic and you can find Manchester United fans can find me on the Talk of Devils podcast. I think that's our begging done. We have a Patreon. We Follow do have that. a Patreon. Uh, you know, there's Talking Tactics Extra where, you know, we talk extra. Plug the Chelsea. What Chelsea? You got the Chelsea podumentary. Oh, yeah. Um, well, people know that. Plug yeah. it. Plug it again. You, you should have already listened to that one, but yeah. Plug it again. The stars. Yeah. You plug it. It's, it, it. For me, it's gauche to do your own stuff. This argument is plugging it. So go go listen okay. to what we're arguing about. All right. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I can think of. So where do you guys want to start this week? Afcon. It has to be Afcon, man. Afcon. That's okay. Let me ask the question. I don't let even know where to begin. Let me ask this question. That's a very good thing to say. This has been a... So why do you think this... The games have been so entertaining? As in, okay. just overall, the games have been just generally very entertaining and very, very dramatic. So the the first round of group stage games in the last Afcon were particularly dour. There are loads of nil nils, loads of one nils, and it, it was, it was, it took until I want to say the quarterfinal stage before that Afcon warmed up. Whereas this Afcon has been positively electric there's been goals counter-attacks all sorts of comebacks uh it's really been the afcon of underdogs the way i've described it is if you were the sort of football fan who got really excited in those 10 minutes where it looked like germany or spain were going to get knocked out of the world cup group stage at the same time then this afcon has taken that 10 minutes and stretched it across at least six games of football it is I'm talking to you right now, and Ivory Coast are teetering on the brink of elimination. Ghana have been eliminated. Algeria have been eliminated. Uh, Ghana went into their final group stage game 2-0 up in the 90th minute and didn't win. Against um, Mozambique? Sorry. Against, against Mo- are you eating now as well? That's why I apologize. Okay. <laughs> wow. So uh, I, think, I think the reason this AFCON has been so entertaining is because a number of the quote-unquote smaller nations now are shedding their more conservative skins. So previously, and you know, as recently as the last AFCON tournament, if you were a team like Mozambique, if you were a team like Marciana, uh, and you were playing an Algeria or a Ghana or a more, and again, in air quotes, more established team, your, mm. priority, your first priority was, let's not get embarrassed. Let's put 10, people, play, 10 players behind the ball Let's hunker down deep and, and let's just try and nick something uh, via a set piece. Whereas now, uh, increased professionalism, um, changes to FIFA ruling, which make it easier to get dual national players to your national team, and improved coaching all round has meant that the smaller nations can go nearly toe-to-toe with the bigger nations. And a lot of these bigger nations are in the middle of either um, transitionary cycles like Algeria, you know, Algeria are, they've not replaced their golden generation that won the 2019 AFCON or they are more established nations that still have what I will cite as governmental interference like Ghana. Um, so 
if you don't take the football side of your national team seriously and you're up against a smaller team that is taking the football side seriously, you can get beaten up. And there's been three or four moments. You know, I've seen this in, in Cameroon's game against the Gambia. I've seen this in Ghana's game against Mozambique and against Cape Verde. I've just recently seen this in Algeria's final group game as well, where there are situations where Team A will have a free kick 35 yards out, but then Team B have just as good of a chance of scoring by counterattacking. And that's what's making this tournament absolutely thrilling. What do you think is making this AFCON so much fun? Have hope. For me, I think it is sort of connected to the World Cup and how football is changing overall. So if you rewind to, like, let's say, when I started watching football, like during the 90s or the 2000s, a Patrick Mboma, a Jeremy, an Etso, a Kano Wanko, a Finidi George, these are individual difference makers who just make the, the difference. So no matter what that inferior team can do, that's Patrick Mboma or that kind of one call will just decide the game. Because back then, you had a lot more difference makers. Football has moved on. More systems, more hive-minded, and they're now less individuals. They're less difference makers. Like when you just look at this AFCON now, they're not that many. Oh, this, this is a guy that can win the, the, the game. So once it's now team against team, and also the fact of like tactics have de developed um, preparation for games have developed. The gap between the big teams and the small teams have now lessened. So that's look at how well Japan and Morocco did. So these, when you look at Ghana, Nigeria, Cameroon, I don't see any individual difference makers. So now they now have to rely on team. And if it's about team, it now lessens the gap between themselves and the inferior team. But I think the key thing is this is that fearlessness. If you look mm. across and say, oh man, it's so man. Patrick Mboma, man, Kano Wanko, man, Abiri Pele, Yeboa. You just, you, you, there's that fear factor, like, because you know what they can do. But now, these small teams, they don't fear. Like, they don't fear in Nigeria, they don't fear in Cameroon, they don't even fear in, in, in Egypt, because they no longer have those difference makers. So when you're seeing how they play, as you, the point you just made, Carl, why are we defending? Let's go on the front foot. Like, that's, there's no chance in hell in 94 or in 2002 the Gambia play Cameroon like that. Mm -hmm. Gambia, well, I know. We direct, attacking, making dynamic runs. They were stepping to Cameroon. 20 years ago, that would be un unthinkable. Unthinkable yep. 20 years ago. But so today, right now, these so-called small teams are like, no, they, they fear nobody. And why that's why this AFCON is so interesting because, I mean, we'll go later. I do have my pick because it's a narrative. But on the face of it, anybody can win this. Because, okay, I'll give it to you. Keep quick example. <laughs> Cape Verde and Equatorial mm -hmm. Guinea topped their groups. When you look at the kind of teams that were in there, Equatorial Guinea had Ivory Coast and Nigeria in their group. <laughs> you know, Cape Verde had Ghana and Egypt in their group. And they topped their groups. And what makes it even sweeter? Both local coaches coached mm -hmm. locally. So this, like the shifts that we're just seeing in terms of local coaches, these so-called big dudes are not around anymore. It's very interesting. So yeah, it, just, it just makes this African. I'm like, yeah, anybody can win this. Anybody can win this trophy. Can I add it? And this is more of a question than a comment, but it's a half comment, half question. Is there something to be said that if you look in the, the instances of Cape Verde and Equatorial Guinea, they're going against African heavyweights 
but African heavyweights who are trying to play in a particular way that their players maybe not are maybe not capable of playing, and they have local coaches, even with squads who are largely constructed with their diaspora, but with tactics and a system and a and a leader that comes from that place. Does does that leader that comes from your home nation does that give you a little extra edge? Or I don't even necessarily. Yes, I don't know. I don't know. From your home nation, I think proper coaching. So the Gamb- this is the Gambia's second AFCON tournament. They reached the knockout stages last time around to the shock of everyone else. They they finished bottom of the group in this tournament. However, this is a team that, as Hope Hope said, twenty years ago, nowhere near qualifying for an AFCON. Right, they are one of the minnows of, of African football. And yet their manager, the Belgian Tom Sanfiet, has done an astounding coaching job. They play a really compact 4-5-1. They really, really focus on transitional play. So when they win the ball, they counterattack. Excellent, excellent counterattack. They, their second goal against Cameroon is one of the best counterattack goals you will ever see in this year. And like Google it and, and YouTube it. It is perfectly executed counterattack from Cameroon's own free kick. It's bing, 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 bang in the back of the net. And for anyone that didn't watch that game, uh, Cameroon needed a victory to guarantee they were going to go through to knockout stages. They go a goal up, then the Gambia equalize, then the Gambia go 2 1 up. Cameroon looked absolutely stunned. Uh, then, unfortunately, the Gambia score an own goal to make it 2 2. Cameroon. <laughs> Cameroon score in a nineteen, you know, in an in injury time or stoppage time, you think it's all over, and then a cross comes in, and the Gambia score a third goal, and you go, "Oh my God, it's going to be three three! This is incredible!" <laughs> and then it becomes very, 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 very clear that the striker in question who uh, punched <laughs> the ball into the back of the. I net. think his name was his name was Mohamed Sene. Yes. and and he laughed when he was booked. He laughed he when laughed, the ref booked. He him. laughed when he was booked. He punched the ball in the net. <laughs> Tried he, to celebrate. He, he celebrated. He he, he handballed the ball <laughs> yeah. of the goal. He celebrated like he he did the Didier Drogba hand stressed out. Then the referee comes to book him. He argues with the referee as if as if number one, why are you booking me? <laughs> actually, actually, can I just make a, a, a quick comment? Like this is something I tweeted out, yeah. and I just want your your guys thoughts on it because yeah. I've said that this Afcon is the most is the um, most sustained entertainment that football has given me in the last 12 months. P- probably well, since the, the Qatar World Cup. Yeah, I was going to say since the World Cup final. Yeah. No, no, no. World Cup. Forget World Cup. Just the World Like, that World Cup was exciting. Like, all around, mm. that World Cup was exciting. I'd argue that this is more exciting because my thing, though, is, again, it speaks to, like, a, a, a larger point. Club football mm. is becoming more and more systematic. So when you're training two, three, four times a day, you are you actually spend more time with your manager, coach, and your teammates and the tactics crew, more time with them than your own family. You are sort of now t- attuned to be a, a robot. International internationally, maybe three or four times a year, if that. So there is still that kind of this is how I put it. Club football is pop music. International football is jazz. You know, I think club football, it's everything is catered for micromanagement. We know exactly what you need to do as a player. Every player has a specific set of instructions. Mm-hmm. And international football, I'll see you three times a year. 
I can't micromanage you. It's impossible. So there is still that kind of freedom of interpretation that they sing in international football. And when I look at Arsenal, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is actually why I enjoyed football. Like the unpredictability, the randomness of where guys are just trying to win. <laughs> you know, guys are just trying to win. And you don't see all of the nooks and crannies and the micromanagement that you see in club football where there's just so much data that is inputted into every single individual in club football that's mm. When you're watching club football, it's system against system. That's what you're seeing. So, do you know, like, when you watch maybe Manchester City, and it's very clear not just how Pep wants his team to play, but there's a particular type of goal that he wants his team to score. Triple tap. Exactly. In Afcon, they're shooting from anywhere. <laughs> it's <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Is, is if I have the space to shoot, I'm gonna shoot. Well, this, so and 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 I was I was talking with one of my friends who's a coach, and he was like, for him, he's 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 from Zambia. He played professionally, and he was like, from from the mind of a coach, when you see players doing things that maybe they're not fully capable of doing, it's like there's better ways to get the ball from point A to point B, and there's a tactical way that we can do that if you have the time, space, technical ability, etc. And and not that he doesn't enjoy it. I don't want to frame him like that, but that's part of the enjoyment of this tournament is that it isn't as micromanaged and we're not trying to score this particular type of goal every time go out there and have some fun it, that that's what it feels like i'm sure what? there's more ooh, detail ooh, behind it than ooh. that let but. me let me push back on that there are some most interesting tactics i've seen at afcon pure chaos i'm not ball saying that I'm, I'm, yards out. no no carl i'm not saying that it's it's fly by night and or, or fly by the seat of your pants I'm saying that's what it feels like. That's what I'm seeing on the screen. It feels as if that's what it's like. The one thing I'll say, you know, hope is right in that this AFCON has been the most entertaining I've I've seen watching football in about 12 months. In particular, because I think last season's Champions League knockout round was in very, very poor um, in terms of entertainment value. But this is what happens, right? International football or, or cup competition is more fun. There's more jeopardy, especially on a single elimination. Um, I'd say this this AFCON is the most entertainment I've seen in any tournament where three teams can get out of the group stage. Um, so I didn't, you know, I didn't enjoy Euro 2016 where three teams can get out of the group stage. I, I wasn't a big fan of Euro 2020 and I've always been like, ah, it doesn't really work because you're, you're spending a lot of games to only eliminate what? A handful of teams and even then you've got you redo it with this next round of 16 but this AFCON the level of intrigue especially has been amazing I'm not getting the calculator out to see who's going to be the best third place qualifier <laughs> but everyone is going for it and I hope is correct in that you know the the amount of preparation you're seeing in, in European football Western European football now means not only do you watch Manchester City scoring a particular type of goal but there are times when i'm watching a team play and i know i know exactly where they're going to pass next mm -hmm. yes or i know exactly where declan rice is going to pass next i know exactly how newcastle are going to try and block that pass from declan rice i know exactly what this is going to do which there are times when i can find that absolutely thrilling but there are times when i'm watching say wolverhampton wanderers and i know exactly what uh well no i suppose not mateus cunha but there are times where Wolverhampton Wanderers are trying to do something against Bournemouth, and you know Bournemouth are an incredibly well coached team, and I know exactly I, I know what Bournemouth want to do, and I know what Wolves want to do, and they just cancel each other out. Whereas I've said this before in this podcast, Roberto Martinez says when you when you're in international football, 
you have three coaching sessions to do what I normally get 60 coaching sessions to try and get through in preseason. So what you have to do is one, you focus on set pieces because that's something you can teach very, very quickly. And two, you, you, well, you can't teach organized pressing schemes. So players have more space, which means, you know, a, a lot new more talented players tend to get a bit more time on the ball. You know, Paul Pogba gets an extra four or five seconds on the ball playing for France than he does playing for Manchester United. Um, you add this to AFCON where you've got better coaches. So everyone's getting better at set pieces. You've got extra space on the ball. So some of the better players in AFCON have got more time on the ball than they would in the Premier League or in the Eredivisie or in the Bundesliga. So, you know, Mohamed it Kudus. Will be. It will be. Um, it will be. is looking like a world beater for Nigeria right now. Kudus. Ghana didn't have a plan at AFCON other than give it to Kudus. And yet Kudus looked he like answered the call. We need to have was... a longer discussion about Ghana, Carl. And I don't, I don't know if you're. Oh, you can't true. dodge the Ghana smoke. You will answer for the no, Ghana, that's Ghana smoke. No, 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 no. It's not that. It's... Do you want to do it now? Let's do it now. Let's go. Who's had the potential to be player of this tournament? It yep. was quite obvious. He he didn't play the first game. He came in the second game. They should have won. It was incredible. But then you know it was it was it was a two-two game. He scored two goals, but then Ghana gave up two cheap ones. Then in the, no, in no, the third no, no, game, no, 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 no. Let's, let's be real. Ghana did not give up two cheap ones. They had a back pass that led to an Egyptian goal, and then they had a complete defensive error, which led to the equalizer. It's not and that led that, that led to a sub of the sub. <laughs> yeah, right. Buhari was on, came onto the field in seventy first minute and got subbed off in the eighty third. It was a hall of shame performance, worthy of the but, Brook Academy. But right? point, these weren't point, soft point, goals point they being, were given. This point, was a point, disaster class. You know, point being that Kudus was he is that guy like if there is a player he's, i'm looking at as him. this is the next top african talent it's him but he's in a, a a structure that doesn't have the capacity to support him yes which is which to me is horrific gone had the elimination confirmed with cameroon's result over gambia last night uh they were they had like a less than five percent chance of getting out of the group stage after the two two draw with Mozambique? And I'm talking to you, and it's Wednesday, and I woke up this Wednesday morning. We we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Um, I woke up on Wednesday morning and I saw Chris Hutton got sacked as the Ghanaian yeah. national team coach. I'm also seeing that the technical team around Chris has been dissolved. However, Talking to my Ghanaian friends and the journalists who are working in Ghana right now, they're saying the issue is not with Chris. Well, they, they think Chris's tactics were, were naive and, and did not help. But they say the true problem is the GFA president, Kurt Okwakru, who's been in charge since 2019. Uh, if you look up his Wikipedia page, it looks like he read it. He wrote it himself. You know, <laughs> one of them Wikipedia pages, you know. He's describing himself as the great reformer and modernizer of Ghanaian football. And yet, I mean, Ghana have had three horrendous AFCONs. With the IU still there. I mean... <laughs> no, 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 speak. Because this is my issue. Like, so let me... I mean, you know. Wait, 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 wait let me set the stage. So... I grew up with Ghanaians. So obviously, if you live in Nigeria, we're right next to Ghana. So I had Ghanaian teachers, Ghanaian people that, that I knew um pe people in employment what's it called Ghanaian friends i've known Ghanaians all throughout Ghanaians and nigerians are very different <laughs> so this is one of those things that like not all black people are the same so whereas uh -huh. Ni nigerians are loud 
extremely confident, confident to the points of delusion. Nigerians <laughs> think that they own any place they enter, whether it's a place across and everything, brash, expressive. Flip side, Ghanaians, very nice, very reserved, very respectful. So Ghanaians and Nigerians are extremely different in mannerisms. Mm -hmm. And what I was saying to my Ghanaian friend, Sharif, was um, when are you guys going to be nasty? Like, when are you guys going to be Nigerian? Because the, the, I just feel like if Ghanaians just are like, almost, there isn't enough of that kind of nasty nature where, okay, no, like, be, like that's why I was so happy when I saw the footage of the media stopping the bus because I'm like, you've just allowed this to fester for so long. Should we bring, should we bring, let's talk about, let me, let's, let's elaborate on what you've just said there, Hope. So after Ghana's 2-2 draw, a number of, so no players stopped in the mix zone to talk to Ghanaian journalists. This was really like messed up. Which happened, which happened after the 2-2 the draw against Egypt. And I will say, as a journalist based in Europe, I am used to the sight of no football player stopping after a defeat or disappointing result. You go, oh, okay, well, I've wasted my time. Let me just go off and do something else. Fine, it happens. Now, the Ghanaian, members of the Ghanaian press, who viewed a twice snubbing from the national team disrespectful, then staged a, what we can politely call a minor protest where they impeded the progress. They impeded the route of the Ghanaian team coach trying to leave the stadium. Sadiq Adams, one of the most prominent Ghanaian journalists, said, if you're arrested, then, well, you know the full story. His tweets about the situation are still up. I implore you to read them. Try not to chuckle. He's being very serious there. I don't know. I have those man, amazing tweets. A number of the journalists. I saw he almost broke his hand on the seat. Stop that! <laughs> stop, stop that team coach because they said no. They had they have questions. They wanted to ask the Ghanaian players, oh. and they and they were unwilling to leave before those questions would be answered. Um, and yeah, hope hope's right. Right, this is this is a Ghanaian national team or Ghanaian national team setup that has been far too nice for far too long. Um, the Ghanaian national team has been in slow decline since 2012, I want to say. You know, the, the last, the dying embers of the golden generation got to the 2015 AFCON final and they lost some penalties to Ivory Coast. But since 2015, they've, they've had no plan other than hopefully one of the Ayus will help you win a game. <laughs> sorry. So that is, I'm not going to talk about the Ayu brothers because if I start talking, I might not stop. I will do it for you. Okay, you do and that. me as well. Yeah, uh, Dan, you can start. To, I'll I'll go after. What I will say let's, is, let's, what let's I will say is, in. when the, when the golden generation was in their pomp, the IU brothers were were young, promising talents. And then by the time the golden generation aged out, the IU were meant the IU brothers were meant to carry the team to the next level. And then now the IU brothers are both in the, are both veterans. The the young players haven't come through. Now the young players haven't come through due to just rank failings from the GFA. Uh, and we've mentioned this in the podcast previously about what Morocco did with their FIFA money, what Marci I know, if you see what Marciana have done with their FIFA money, whereas the GFA have done very, very little. The, the national team stadium in Accra is not fit for purpose. It, was, it failed a recent review from FIFA, uh, forcing Ghana to play their games in Kumasi at the Baba Yara Stadium. Um, this this would be like if if Wembley 
was found to have uh, a rat infestation and the pitch was bad. So now England have to play the majority of the games at Anfield. You know, so there are, there are loads of times where I I I have tried looking at what where the money is going. I can't tell you where the money is going, nor how much money is going in from the GFA. Uh, there's there there's been accusations of corruption. There's been accusations of uh, governmental tampering in the Black Star setup. Uh, you may remember before the. 2022 World Cup, Ghana spent basically on a recruitment drive when they realized they were going to play Nigeria in the World Cup qualifiers. They, they tried very, very hard to get as many dual national players to play for Ghana. Uh, and they also went out of their way to talk to a number of, uh, let's say, lapsed Ghana players. One of these was Jeff Schilp, who used to play for the City, played for Crystal Palace. And they spent a long time courting him and saying, Jeffrey, we need you. Um, if you can help us beat Nigeria, we will... You can be one of our best players. You can be a hero. You can also go to the World Cup. Jeffrey Schlupp featured in that squad uh, and was very much on the assumption he was going to get called up to the national team. He did not get a call up. And his agent on Instagram, and I'll be very, very careful what I say here. His agent on Instagram alleged that a government official approached Jeffrey Schlupp's team and, and said, Jeffrey, I can guarantee you a call up to the Ghanaian World Cup squad if you are open to splitting some of your World Cup bonuses with me. <laughs> now, uh, Jeffrey Schlupp is a Premier League football player who earns a reasonable amount of money every single week. But that reasonable amount of money every single week would be, we can describe that as a life-changing amount of money for a government official in Ghana. And it appears that one of these government officials got an idea into their head that Jeffrey Schlupp could do without the £100,000 US dollar that every single player gets for a call-up to the World Cup and said and, and made an approach saying, if you split some of it with me, I can get you a, a call-up. And, and Schlupp's team was just going, there's just rank corruption in the national team. I'm talking to you right now. And Ghana's goalkeeper, starting goalkeeper for all three games at AFCON is third choice for Orlando Pirates in South Africa. He hasn't played a minute of league football all season. Oh, for so now, were, can we? Add there were questions as to why was this goalkeeper the starting goalkeeper for Ghana, where out mean, Ziggy, this? who what is the was starting... he thinking? <laughs> now, whereas no, whereas no, 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 Ziggy, no, 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 when Carl says this though, if you're a third choice, you haven't played. What do you? It's this makes sense now. It makes sense if you're third choice, you haven't played a single minute. It makes sense that you do something so mind-blowingly stupid. <laughs> a, I was watching. I was like, "There's no way he's gonna touch it." <laughs> he touches. It. Oh, no, 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 but, 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 but okay, but very quickly on on Andre Ayew. So, oh, no, oh, okay. when go, go, he, go, go, go. he 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 he. So basically, I think it's him, Rigobert Song, and I can't remember the Egyptian player mm -hmm. who they're the only ones who've played. I think seven editions of Afcon. Only oh, three no, of them. It's nine. Now playing eight. It's nine. This was, is it nine? Oh, oh, no, no, I think, his, no, no, I think it's eight. I think it's eight. I think it's Andre, eight. Andre, Andre's Ayu's appearance in the 2-2 draw against Mozambique made, uh, made it his eighth AFCOM, which I now believe is a record. No players played in eight AFCOM performances. He has also now surpassed Rigobert Song for the most appearances in AFCON. However, and, and I knew I, I said I wasn't going to do it, but I'm going to do it. Andre Ayu's so second half substitute performance for Ghana in the final group stage game 
is one of the worst substitute performances I've seen from a Ghanaian player. No, no, and, and also listen, now, I was now, here. now, now that was mean because I've just remembered Buha- not Buhari, Bukhari's performance in the previous game. <laughs> Buhari, <laughs> yeah, that's that, yeah, that's our former president. Bukhari's second half cameo where he came on again, like I said, came on in the 70th minute, got taken off in the 83rd. So, I like Ghana's had two horrendous, I'm talking all time bad. Sub second half substitute performances in this AFCON tournament, uh, which again has prompted questions as to why why have these substitutes been so bad? What's being what's being coached or trained upon in the training scheme? Um, uh, Andre Ayu is the team captain. He's the most experienced player in that Ghana national team setup. Uh, he he missed a penalty that would have given Ghana the lead against Uruguay at the World Cup in the revenge oh, game, and uh, he. He in this second half substitute performance against Mozambique, I I think he was meant to be playing as the number nine, but he was dropping deep, trying to receive the ball, stepping on Kudus's toes. He's also he he's not in he doesn't look in great physical condition. So there were times where he you know Ghana had counter pressed, won the ball back. Kudus got on the ball, looked up and went, "Where's Andre?" Uh, and you could see Andre jogging trying to get up to, to speed. Uh, and then and then Andre Ayu gave away a penalty in the 91st minute that, that began the Mozambique Oof. comeback. This was, it, it was one of those penalties that wouldn't have been a penalty 10 years ago, but his hand is in an unnatural position. Um, I will say, to change the subject deliberately oh, 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 and quickly, oh, oh, oh. It, uh, VAR has been, been really, really good at AFCON. i am really been really impressed by the level of refereeing at this tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Um, although that handball that wouldn't have been or that wasn't to be, I wonder if did they not see that in the in in the Gambia Cameroon game? Oh, like, oh, like was 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 that not seen? Like if no. didn't exist, it, it would have it would have stood. <laughs> they didn't give it. <laughs> yeah, you know, but that's but that's just that's just one that's just one in a in a, in a in a so but no on the IU brothers, I think that game. It was poetic in a sense that the downfall starts with with an IU brother, because what Carl outlines about the golden generation that we can maybe say starts at the two thousand six World Cup, goes through. I think they went to six straight Afcon semifinals between 2008 and 2017 um obviously there's a <laughs> a world cup quarterfinal in there that went wrong in 2010 and all of that um the iu brothers overlap that golden generation at least andre uh, for sure overlaps the golden generation and the devolution of ghanaian football mm-hmm. so them being picked or time in, time in, time in, time out. It's it's representative, and I think it's why there's a lot of people who are fed up with them, or just the sight of them, and even their names. They they are you, they're because they're representative. Number one of just the devolution of football, but also there's the idea that they're there because of who their father is. Mm-hmm. So it's are you, do you even justify your place anymore outside of your your name being your name? It's I, like I on on a level I feel bad for them 
but then I don't. <laughs> so I feel it's... bad for Jordan Ayew. Jordan Ayew is a yeah. hard, hard-working football player who is, I mean, no one wins more, no one wins more free kicks in the Premier League than Jordan Ayew. His set piece taking is actually really good. His penalties, and, and his, his set piece taking is good. His penalty record is good. He is. You can get a more talented player on the wing than Jordan Ayew. You find it very, very hard to pl- find a player who works as hard off the ball, who can win you as many free kicks. Now, you should say, should a country of Ghana's size and prospective talent pool not be able to find players more talented mm. than Jordan Ayew, especially Jordan Ayew of this age? <laughs> Maybe. So I could feel sorry there. Andre Ayew is a situation that I... I I really can't, yeah. I can't separate X from Y and that makes things difficult. Can I ask one more question on Ghana? Or not, well, can bring up one more point. What did you guys make of Asamoah Jan posting that video of... Stupidity! Wait, what did you post? Oh, you haven't he, seen this? He posted this meme of the, you know, the rock monster that tries to stop a boulder from crushing a village, but then he, his back foot causes problems. So the village turns on him, so then he just lets the boulder smash them. So I suppose I suppose the idea Asimo Jean wants to put forward is that I was propping up this national team and then I no, missed no, that penalty I, and, so he and, pushed, and and you guys hate me. So then all right, see see, see what happens without me. Maybe that's he wants he to do this. Maybe that's what he was saying. We do know that he did say he was open to coming out of retirement and playing in the last AFCON tournament. Um, and he, he's, he's, he's hinted at playing at AFCON for a while. However, I will say, Asmo Jean's not been a credible football player since before COVID. Isn't he a more, he's a more credible musician at this point? I yeah, like, I think the guys want some more music. <laughs> well, no, 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 but, but see, I think the overriding thing, though, is for the... Because, again, speaking to my Ghanaian friend, he was just saying, look, they have, there has to be mass changes. And he says that, like, if there aren't mass changes, this will just continue to fester. And I think the biggest thing is Andre Ayu. The fact that Andre Ayu hasn't written... Now, if you go to the Instagram, he's actually turned off comments on his, on his Instagram account, <laughs> which is interesting. So the fact that he's not come out and say that, okay, do the right thing. Let me stand down. You are using the national team for your arrogance. That's what you're using it for. You're using it for your arrogance. And people have just allowed this to fester because there's not been enough nastiness and aggressive pushback over the heck is this dude still doing his freaking team when he offers nothing at least Jordan Ayu knows how to take a good penalty <coughs> this, this dude is useless <laughs> the man is useless you can't take a penalty you're slow you're out of form you have no technique you offered nothing for the team and here's the worst thing that we can move on the worst thing is <laughs> kudos could have been one of the players of this tournament this is what hmm. I was starting at the beginning and yeah. That was just rod for me because again, I think someone yes. made the mention that like, is a, you see, you see, when Ayu comes on, there is pressure to pass to him. There is pressure to pass him because he's a student, and that just messes everything up. Because once he now comes on, because he's older, he's more experienced, and that you know the dynamics of the team, you're thinking that oh, how, how can I pass him? How can I give him the ball? And that messes up the whole dynamics of the team where. The better choice may be to oh no, run with the ball, dribble with the ball, keep the ball going. So, and you are you are messing up a guy who is arguably one of Africa's most talented footballers right now. So, 
This is a 34-year-old Andre Ayew who has played half an hour of league football in league in France this season. Wow. So I'm not, again, I'm not going to get... I could get really angry about this, but... I get, It was a shocking performance. However, it's a 34-year-old Andre Ayew who's played only 31 minutes of league football. Let out the hate. Like, <laughs> uh, so the, pro- the problem was you were 2-0 up from two largely undeserved penalties scored by Jordan Ayew. And Ghana were not, I'm not going to say cruising, but they looked likely to be what it was supposed to be the worst team in, in, in the group stage. Um, the substitution is made to bring on Andre Ayew. And I will say, this is me editorializing. I could be wrong here. It felt like a manager going, Andre, you're no longer a starter. Um, as a thank you for all you know, your hun- more than 100 caps and, and, and the work you've done with the Ghanaian national team, I'm going to give you a appearance here i'm going to help you get to your eighth afcon this is your eighth afcon performance you can break some records because we're two and up but what that did is because andre is because he was hunting for the ball and doesn't have the physical conditioning to do much of anything with the ball at this point in time there was just not there was no focal point up front and ghana retreated 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 and, and a mozambique team which were very dangerous from set pieces, just got more and more confident. There was no way to alleviate pressure because Andre Ayu is not a target man. Um, and, and that's what happened. And, um, and let's quickly change the subject to Chelsea reaching the League Cup oh, no, final. No, 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 hold on. No, I, I, have more about, I have more about AFCON. I, have more about, I don't care about the League Cup. I'm not sure I have hope that... Um, Actually, no, no, no. Like, you know, look, let's, let's stick to AFCON, man. There's, there's, there's nothing else, Max. There's nothing else here. <laughs> Okay, so there hasn't been a nil-nil yet in the tournament. I say nope. that as there are two current nil-nils happening mm. and we're entering the, the 80th minute or the 80th Oh, you're getting off light on this podcast, you know. They didn't get out of the group stage either. I was going to say, like, Bro. I think the, the, the only chance Ivory Coast have is if Morocco beat Zambia. Then I think... Drogba, Kai caretaker manager, let's make it happen. Drogba, <laughs> emergency caretaker manager, let's, let's, let's get that narrative going. Yeah, okay, okay. No, well, Drogba is a wait. perfect launching point for my next point, but go for yeah. it. Okay, so he, this is my narrative. Egypt, hear me mm-hmm. out. So let's bring in Spielberg. I haven't even talked about Egypt yet. Let's, no, no, let's bring in Spielberg. So Spielberg, look, I've got a, a great story for you. So, Salah, 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 he needs to win this whole AFCON because how can you not win the AFCON based on your ability? And this, and this is the team that has won the AFCON the most. He gets injured. Now has to go to Liverpool. So how the heck can these guys, which is a much more inferior team to past Egypt teams, get to the final without him? Because they're saying that he can perhaps make the final. So how can these guys come and make the final without him? I can see this. I can see it's been written. I'm looking at the field. Okay, Senegal look good, but Senegal, they look beatable. I see Egypt. So I don't know how they'll do it. <laughs> Penalties, lock, whatsoever, divine intervention. I see these guys without Salah making that final and Salah coming in nah. Nah. and deciding it. That's my crazy narrative. It sounds improbable. It sounds improbable. But if there's an African that can okay. happen, I think it's this one. I will, nah. I will, I will ask one kind of follow-up question. In the event 
Egypt were to make the AFCON final. That means mm-hmm. they go through round of 16, the quarterfinal, the semi. So they went three games without him. Then you're bringing a, a hobble. No, so no, 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 no. Hold, 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 hold up. Very quickly. The group stage as well. A key it group is, stage game, they had to get the results from without true. Salah as well. That counts. Okay. It, so, is, it is very unlikely Salah will be fit enough to play in the AFCON final. But this is the point. If, if, if they're hyping him to the point where he will be back for the final and Egypt are in the final, Mm-hmm. Wouldn't this be kind of like a Harry Kane, Lucas Mora situation where Egypt Egypt have done enough to not play Salah in that final? It might mess up whatever chemistry they've built. So so bringing him back would almost they would lose the final, right? Look, uh, <sighs> Salah is in a very very difficult place where people you, hold on hold on hold on because no, 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 I I I I need to have hope. Don't don't forget your point, Carl. But have hope you. To this day, Deontay Wilder, uh, <laughs> you you you're still mad at Pochettino for putting Harry Kane in. Big okay, I'll give you the big difference. No, it's very it's very simple. Very simple. So, so why would Salah be the same? Two months, a few weeks. He didn't play for two months. <laughs> so two months and a few weeks. That's a, that's a big difference. Okay, Carl, go for it. Salah's in a really difficult position, and there've been a lot of people who have been waiting for a chance to to jump on him and have their day with him. Um, and, and they are all too willing to have the quote-unquote uncomfortable conversations about him. He, he's being criticised heavily by sections of the Egyptian media who believe he's more focused on Liverpool than he is on Egypt. There's been a, a sort of tug of war about this injury status. Um, I believe Salah's looking likely like he's returning to England rather than staying with the national team. And a number of former Egyptian professional football players are going as professional football players, as in people who have won AFCONs with Egypt are saying he should stay. Mm. I believe one quote said, even if he only had one leg, he should stay with the national team until they are eliminated mm-hmm. from AFCON or either win AFCON because uh-huh. he's supposed to be their leader. <laughs> <clears throat> there's, there's a number of fans that say... <clears throat> so you know, Salah got injured playing Ghana in the second group stage game. Uh, and in a game where he was largely outshone by Kudus. And people thought this would be a change in the guard as the best player in Africa. Um, and then Ghana didn't hold up their end of the bargain. Uh, and we're talking right now, and this, this tournament is probably Salah's best chance of, best slash last chance of winning AFCON. And we also know that, uh, I mean, when they were teammates, no, sorry. Shortly after leaving for Saudi Arabia, someone taunted Saudi Mane with a Salah is better chant, and Mane responded, no Africa Cup. <laughs> now, we, we may never know exactly how much beef or how, much, uh, how friendly those two were to each other, but to a section of football fans that wanted to put, pit them against each other and are eager to pit their quote-unquote legacies against each other, Mane, who beat Salah in the final for, at the last AFCON, believes that he has a greater legacy as an African football player because he has an AFCON, and Salah doesn't. He also and, ha- and beat and him he- to get into the World Cup. And beat him to get into the World Cup. It's a very, very compelling argument. You, put, you compound this in the fact that Salah, as in many people's opinion, is the world's most prominent Muslim mm-hmm. football player. I'll say the most prominent football player uh, as a caveat rather than just most prominent Muslim full stop. 
Um, and there is a, a belief, criticism, a school of thought that Salah doesn't speak openly enough of his faith or involve himself in matters affecting Muslims around the world. Salah himself. Do we bring up the Christmas tree? Or yes, Santa we should. We Santa? should bring up. The, we, we can bring up the Christmas tree if you want. Uh -oh. Salah's Sal Sal children celebrate Christmas, and every Christmas time he, he uploads a photograph of him and his daughters, as his daughters are put on the Christmas tree. There's criticism there. I, I think that's too much. Um, but there, there is there has long been a accusation that Salah doesn't care too much about Egypt or care too much about Afcon or African matters, which is is to my view, paint me false. Um, I mean, his reaction after the last AFCON final, he's appeared absolutely heartbroken. Um, and his pride at taking, his pride at Egypt reaching the 2018 World Cups um, shows me that he's very, very proud of being Egyptian and he takes that very seriously. Sometimes to his own detriment. Mm. But, man, he needs that AFCON. Otherwise, those uncomfortable conversations are going to be there in the, in the same way that Messi was going to have those uncomfortable conversations until he won a World Cup. In the same way that, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo is going to have a degree of uncomfortable conversations, even though he has a Euros. This is just what happens in the modern era. There's, people will always find a stick to beat you with. So you, you can either try and remove the obvious ones or just get on with your life. Uh, and at this point in time, Salah doesn't, has a very obvious stick to beat him with, which is, as Sadio Mane said, not Africa Cup. Well, if it's not now, it's going to have to be in the one in Morocco in a couple of years. That would be interesting. I, 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 I mean, can't see him I can't see him going to twenty seven. So that would be interesting. I'm, i hope you you please get Wikipedia out and help me out here. I believe North African teams haven't won the AFCON in sub Saharan Africa in ten years. Might even be longer than that. You know no no because Egypt won it in Ghana. Yes. In what year was that? That was, was like 08? Yeah, I think that was 08. And that might, that might be the last time a... Yeah. Egypt is the last North African team to win a AFCON in sub-Saharan Africa, but it's been more than a decade since then. It's, it's one of those trends in that I think Germany is the only European team to win a World Cup when a World Cup isn't in Europe. Mm. I think that may have changed. Yeah, Germany, Germany's triumph in 2014 is the, is the first time a European team won a non-European World Cup. It's just one of those quirks. Anyway. Can I, can I ask a question? Yes. How are you guys taking... Because to me, and this is just going by Twitter, right? And maybe I follow more people than I did back in the day. But and I don't think so. Have you guys felt kind of an uptick in the amount of people who pay attention to AFCON and are kind of enjoying it this year? And then have you guys noticed I've seen a lot of, if you're not watching AFCON, I don't know what you're doing. You disrespected. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the. I'm seeing a lot of kind of brown beating of people and from people who I don't think I've ever heard you talk about AFCON before. You know, like I've been paying attention as, as much as I can and as much as it's been able since like 2006 to AFCONs. Um, that was the one where Drogba beat Nigeria, lost on penalties to Egypt. Mm. The if you remember the was it ten to eleven? No, it was eleven to twelve. The penalty shootout between uh, Ivory Coast and Cameroon, where the goalkeepers had to make their penalties and Eto missed and all that. Like I was, I was in it because I wanted Drogba to win, and he was my guy. So I've been trying to pay attention and you know stealing matches from Super Sport and all that kind of stuff. So. 
But to that point, it's almost like, where did all of you guys come from? Well, I think now, it's I one. Know, you, you, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of all of this idea of people discovering their black, like yes. on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, are you guys? Have you guys discovered your African off the basis of this of this tournament? Like, it took until twenty like, twenty. Performatively African. Well, I think, not, I think I'm, it's. I'm, 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 I, I don't want to sound as if I'm gatekeeping. The more, the merrier. But I'm just like, this feels different this year in terms of the amount of engagement and numbers and. It does. Uh, I mean, one, mm. one. This is this is that? a one. This is an incredible Afcon. Right, more people are paying attention to this Afcon because this is the most exciting Afcon in more than ten years. This is perhaps the best group stage I've seen in international tournaments since twenty eighteen World Cup. Like the the excitement level is just off the chart. So I'm not only seeing African people, you know, people across the African diaspora pay attention. I'm seeing Caucasians going, "Oh, that's fun," which. Great, good, more eyeballs. I've also seen, you know, again, the repeat criticism about how it's being broadcast mm-hmm. in that Sky are showing the games, but they are showing they are showing the games with a commentator down the tunnel or down the tube, which I say. So the commentator is, unless it's the big game, the commentator isn't in the ground. They are watching, they are in London watching it on a screen and commentating. And two, oh, there's wow. no, there's no, um, Halftime show and post-match analysis. At halftime, they are there's just highlights and then adverts, a little bit more highlights, and then we go into the second half. And then once the game reaches full time, it's done. I don't mind. Um, that. Now the BBC will have. I'm talking from a British perspective. Here, the BBC will have ten games between now and the end of the tournament, including the final, and hopefully that will be increased coverage. But this will be much again like what happened in two years ago, where you know quarterfinals and whatnot. You'll have someone i'm going to assume it's nada manua um passing comment in a half time and whatnot so that's Somebody, good how, i also how, think how do we get in this like can we get in this car like you know get an agent <laughs> <laughs> no like we we, we could do a, a halftime show it's not that I, hard I, I will i will also say i think you're seeing more people pay attention to afcon because also we are well if if you're first generation second generation we're, we're seeing the next generation of kids from the DS, I, I call them kids, let me not say that, of people from the diaspora now coming of age and going, let me get in touch with my roots and watching this. I'm seeing 18-year-olds born in East London of Ghanaian heritage going, oh my God, what's happening to this national team? Um, so there's more because there's, there's just like physically more. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's a fantastic tournament. More people paying attention than ever. It's also helped that, you know, it's been a, it's been a winter break in the Premier League as well. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that we've, we've had 10 games of Premier League football sp- spread across 21 days, I want to say. Um, and yeah, so every, everything is lined up for more people to watch what, again, I'll say has been an incredible group stage. If you again, if you, if you just watch the highlights, man, what a tournament. I think we're going to get two nil nils here coming up. Oh, mm. no. Yeah. No, oh, no, but I mean, Bob, the thing that is that South Africa being. Oh, they're being very conservative because they know that this scoreline sends them through. So yeah, I think yeah. they're, they, they're not going out to try and and, and, the and, the, and the same with Mali and Namibia. They know if they both draw, then they're both through. Yeah. So, so yeah. There's no answer. What was Is the game bo- that was like a disgrace? There was one, was it Sweden against somebody in the World Cup 
where like it was just so blatantly obvious that they were just were not even gonna try and they would oh yeah, yeah no, no so, so it was euro oh four Italy were playing bulgaria it was okay. sweden i think denmark and the only scotland that would send italy out was two two and they played two two and italy went crazy when they had the scoreline yeah so um no but have hope. No, no, but, 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 sorry, but do you think though that just like with tournaments really crazy group stage then when that gets to the knockout stage where there's even higher jeopardy it'll become a lot more chess i think a lot so. more conservative i think i hope so. not no no so i i hope not but i think that may be the case where it will now become a lot we will now see more zero zeros one zero one zero zero penalties and penalties yeah. 120 minutes but yeah. i don't i don't mind that in the context of it's single elimination football like the the drama of that carries whatever Whatever game it is, the drama of single elimination. Look, is, see, guys, I need your support for Saturday. I need your support for Saturday nights, man. I'm, I'm getting nervous. And now I'm getting uh, nervous for Saturday nights. It, it's Cameroon, right? Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know if I can. <laughs> you know, I'll be seated. I'll be there. I'm watching that game. I got, I'm going to make a special sandwich for it. I'm seeing. I'm going to be. <laughs> oh, no, oh, no, bro. It's, it's a big game. Because it's like one of you know, the worst days I, in Nigeria's you know, history. One of the worst days in Nigeria's history is 2000. Yeah, yeah. Afcon 2000 at home against our fierce rivals up to 0 losing penalties is one of the worst days, bro. What? Okay. Horrible. So apparently Ivory Coast and Cameroon have incredible beef. So, and you called Niger, you, as, as a Nigerian, you called Cameroon your fierce rivals. Oh yeah. So, 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 Ghana so which, is, is which, amicable. Which country do you consider your biggest? Cameroon? Nigeria? Yeah. Cameroon. Okay. Because hey, I hey, think hey, like hey hey no 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 don't pretend no this is no don't. it's Cameroon don't do this to me no it's, no 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 because see you see the thing with Ghana Ghana it's more don't amicable break my heart like this man right I think no it's man, a rabbit, but it's more amicable don't, Cameroon don't is like this, no man. this is I'm like a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm at a very low point you can't do this to me <laughs> it's Cameroon it's Cameroon like, Cameroon is, is oh, this is and, and, and I think he wants the respect be, he, he wants your hate bro yeah. no 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 but, but you have to understand that it's because of that 2000 final wow. like bro to do that at at home. That was painful, man. So bro, I think I ever since like then, would have you didn't get to the World Cup because of us. Yeah, no, true, but and it's we're like, not even good. You didn't get to the World Cup because of us. We, but we but I'm talking about like it's, it's no Cameroon is a rivalry. Ends. Cameroon is a rivalry. It's Cameroon. Oh. It's, 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 that's that's the one. Wow. All right, here's a question. As as a Nigerian, and I'm asking you to speak for the whole country, which is dangerous, but. More hate towards Ghana or South Africa? South Africa. <laughs> no, 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 but yes, understand. There's no hate. At, there's literally zero hate towards Ghana. <laughs> this, this, no, but it doesn't work that That's way in true. reverse. No, there, no, no. I, I can say right now, there is no. See, South Africa. You have things where there are many Nigerians in South Africa, and South Africans actually treat them very badly. Say, okay, they are your criminals, you only come here to steal and everything. So, there is actual certain animosity between Nigeria and South Africa based on Nigerians living in South Africa. Then there's the whole white people rule you thing and how Nigerians act. So, there's that. For Ghana, it's amicable. So, even if the incident and everything, it's still, it's still amicable because we share it's so much culture. On one side, though. Like, like you have I, Nigerians I, I, living in Ghana, Ghana is living in Nigeria, Nigerian business in Ghana. In so, Nigeria, it's like. Though. That's yeah. the difference. It's it's a big brother little brother relationship because in from from the North Carolina sporting aspect, North Carolina and Duke, 
is like the big rivalry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But North Carolina have NC State and NC State hate North Carolina like more than anybody. But for us as North Carolina fans, it's just like, ah, they're just talking. It's no big deal to us. But in doing that, it makes them hate us more. <laughs> and I feel like Ghana there would be the NC State. Of like it's a rivalry, but Niger- Nigerians might not care as much. Or it's a bit like England Germany, in that England Germany is a huge rivalry to the English, but the Germans like, why are you talking? Why, why do you hate us? We, we, our beef is with the Netherlands. Mm. So there's a cross of rivalries. It's it's like friends, you know, like where somebody has a best friend, but you're not their best friend. You're just friends. It's it's almost yeah. like that, but just with rivalries. Anyway, so. you've you've broken my heart, Hope, with what you've said. So I'm gonna is, I'm gonna call it a day. We've been talking for an hour. This is this is the <laughs> end of my contribution to this podcast. No, no, no. It's 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 time to go anyway. So yeah, this has been the Talking Texas podcast. We will keep you guys up to date on Afcon as we get into the knockout rounds. Yes, sir. Um, you can find me at Daniel to look. Call where can people find your find you and your work? You can find me crying. I have hopes coming. Have <laughs> hope. Have hope. Uh, people get you. Um, you can find me on Saturday nights praying. <laughs> we yo, we didn't even talk about Victor OC man. He better show up. We didn't talk about he, Victor. We didn't bro. talk about Onana. He's we got he's so having much to talk about. no no. There's that's what it, this should just been an Afcon episode because there's so much there's too much stuff to talk about. There's it too was. much. We didn't talk about anything else. I don't think. Like it was a, yeah. it was a Ghana episode, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think Ghana took over. Just got me on this yeah. podcast to me. Yeah, Vic has a show, bro. Vic has You only showed up last week because Mourinho got sacked, so you know. Yeah, you've done me here. Yeah, fair enough. Talking podcast, sometimes funny, sometimes serious, but always football. Indeed, we'll see you guys next week. Peace, 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 peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.